There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I think we've got something special right now, do we not? We do. It was just announced um, maybe yesterday that Derek Hoff, you know, from Dancing with the Stars, Played Corny Collins on the ABC or the NBC Hairspray. Mm-hmm. And Judge on Dancing with the Stars, of course, dancer. Anyway, Symphony of Dance is coming to the State Theater on Tuesday, October 31st. Does he know it's Halloween? Oh. But that's all right. Tuesday, you know, 31st on a Tuesday night, yeah. 7 o'clock. You can trust Patrick early. That's right. And um, anyway, so seventh caller. You and uh, a date yeah. can go to the show, 651-641-1071. Love it. Seventh caller. And right. the tickets go on sale on Friday. Nice. So, I have no idea. I know my mom would love to go to see this. She just thinks he's amazing. Oh. Dancer. Huh. You know. Where does she know him from? Dancing with the Stars. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I'm still mad at ABC for moving that to Disney+. Plus. The worst idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet they've got a lot of blowback on that, too. Well, they just have had... I think that's how they wanted to get rid of Tyra. She had a three-year deal to start and produce in it. And, hmm. You know, just didn't work out. She wasn't. She's not a good host uh, in the way that Tom Bergeron... And the audience for that show skews older, let's face it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a Disney Plus crowd. Well, I always wondered about when they switched that Christine Baranski show to streaming. Oh, the good too. fight. That seemed like a really dumb move there too, because the audience they had. Well, a, they were trying to get CBS all access up and going, but no one's at that time was going to subscribe to a streaming service for one show. Right. They should have just kept it on CBS. And plus, the audience that I think that show appealed to also wasn't necessarily an audience that was up to speed on streaming at that and that point. was like you know six years ago For and now sure. cbs all access i think is paramount plus yes yeah huh yeah those things keep changing <laughs> i know they really do so anyway uh, grants we got our seventh caller i think i don't know he just says caller one kind of you know hangs up um if you missed it last night um uh james corden you know he's winding down his show the Late, late show on CBS. His last show is Thursday night. How do you feel about that? You know, I have really have quit watching him quite a while ago, unless he had a guest on that I was really excited to see. I I don't know. His show became kind of the most blah of all the shows, the late night shows, except if he had a carpool karaoke 
or the thing, the stunt thing he did, the crosswalk musical or whatever that was. He didn't do too many of those. Which you could just watch on YouTube the next day or whatever. Yeah, kind of. So, you know, Heaven, you know, was initially delighted with him, but I kind of just really, unless he's got like a, you know, great guest on or something. But I've been watching the last couple of weeks because he has had a lot of people on. And last night, um, his very last carpool karaoke dropped, and it was Adele. And she was filmed sneaking into his room and waking him up with some symbols and then driving him to work. It's a 21-minute carpool karaoke. And it's pretty good. They both cry a little bit. And uh, we posted it on our show page. So... Uh, but it was 21 minutes. It does seem like those two genuinely like each other. Yeah, very too. much so. She's There's a song she wrote about. He comforted her when she uh, broke up with um, Simon. And, um, you know, of course, they're both British and, you know, live in... Living in Bel Air, and um, although he's moving back, apparently. he's moving back. He's moving back, and then he showed up on Kimmel last night. Kimmel had him on the couch. Oh, that's cool. I know, and his parents were in the audience, oh. and yeah, what a, what a kind of perspective to be the guy sitting on the couch versus the guy talking to the guy. On the yeah, couch. I thought it was nice, yeah. you know, cool of Kimmel to do that. And James Gordon actually seemed a little bit nervous to be a guest on someone else's couch, well, and his parents were in the audience, and yeah. they. Told a cute but boring story about uh, (laughs) his middle name being Kimberly. But you could tell they were very excited to be there. And James, you know, looks like a combination of his mom and dad. So it was was cute. And all the late night hosts last night, just um, with the media news yesterday. um, (laughs) The monologues, I bet. The monologues were pretty good with the Tucker (laughs) Carlson, Don Lemon news. And my friend Sandy sent me a note and said... That whole news day yesterday was better than the last four episodes of Succession. <laughs> you know, just I would insert yellow jackets in that sentence. Yeah, yeah. Are you watching that show? I am, but I come over it. Are you? I'm starting to hay watch it. No, I can't keep people. I can't keep match who's, up who's who in the young version and the then 25 years later. Yeah. Okay. Tell me this. Tell me that Christina Ricci does not nominate or submit the scene, whereas her young character, she does the scene of um, Malin after Shelby's funeral in Steel Magnolias. Oh, yeah. That was epic. That was pretty great. But it had nothing to do with no, whatever the show's about. I know, but it was just she sounded like her uh-huh. and as entertainment for these girls who've been plane racked or where, you know, however you're describing where they are. It was pretty, pretty good. But she's a problem, too, because when are they going to get her a decent wig? That young Christina Ricci's wig is terrible. Yeah, that's the idea. It doesn't even fit her. Okay, but maybe it's supposed to look overgrown because no one's had a haircut or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, anything in several months. And that's why it looks shaggier as the time is going on. It's not even that it's shaggy. It's like somehow it's slightly too far back or something yeah. there's something very weird about it i'm gonna go out on a theory limb and say that christina ricci has a very small head and they have a hard time <laughs> oh. um, fitting her for wigs interesting mm-hmm. looking and thinking yeah. i can see where you're going with that yeah i feel like you know some people self-describe them I've, I've got a real pinhead. yeah and you don't believe in then you go and put one of your hats on them and they're swimming in and you're like oh yeah you do have a pinhead. <laughs> 
It, oh, it keeps making me think of Laura Stearns used to be the wig master at the Guthrie Theater. So she has these drawers that she pulls out and there's like a Sally Winger drawer and there are eight different wigs that she can restyle for new shows that Sally Winger's in or whatever. Isn't that something? Yeah. And she said that whenever she would watch a TV show or a movie, she would be sitting there and her, looking at the wigs, looking at how terrible the wigs are. And she would talk about them and be completely not involved in whatever the show was about. And her kids would be like, Ma, can we just pay attention to the spies instead of worrying about their wigs? <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Anyway, so watch Adele surprise him. And I have to agree with uh, Jason today on his uh, TV show. He took a little aside and he said, can I just say Adele has the most amazing eye makeup of anyone I've ever seen in all my life? Because she does the black way and she really does have a lot of eye real estate and she does this you know winged liquid liner that's and this matte wonderful lip and even for daytime yes it's such a class it's so good huh it's so so good It, it would be it's the aspirational makeup face i think for a lot of people would just be like god if i could only do it. It looks simple, but it's not. And there's probably a lot of steps. Do you think she does that when she, you know, goes? No. Okay. No, this is her stage. Public. Public. Yeah. If she's doing something like that and she needs to pop, she, you know. She's probably unrecognizable at the grocery store. That would be another nice thing. Smart. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like a disguise. All right. Listen, we're going to have random thoughts from Chris next, but they're going to be more along the lines of book and movie <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Let's talk training your brain with Learning RX. They help uh, kids, teens, and adults improve their lear- learning and thinking skills. And if you've got a student who's having trouble at school in one or more subjects, or maybe you're an adult who wants you want to boost your overall cognitive performance, maybe you had you played football when you were younger, and you just kind of noticed that your memory isn't where you want it to be, you can build a personal brain training plan with Learning RX. And the first step um, is to take the uh, Cognitive Skills Assessment Test, the Woodcock-Johnson Nationally Recognized Test. And uh, it takes a little bit over an hour, but it's very specific as to what is going on in your brain and why you're having um, obstacles in learning. Call them, mention Lori and Julia, 952-949-6900. That's Learning RX with seven locations. Julia's random thoughts. He looks like that puppet. I don't know. He's had cheeky implants. It's just random. That's all it is. All right, Chris Hewitt. I gave you an assignment today, but I forgot to tell you to do it. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, random thoughts. Who's going to do that? Chris, what can you do random thoughts-wise? And then we were like, books. Books, yeah. Let's talk books. All right. What's happening? In the book world? In the book world. Well, um, I'm writing about books more at the paper, so that's kind of exciting. You are? Yes. Lori Herzl, our book editor, is going to retire, so I'm going to step in, at least in the interim, and who knows? And spearhead everything that's going. Cause start I'm going to try to. You guys have a lot going on with books. You've got the... A lot of newspapers are getting rid of their book sections. Really? Yeah, which is really unfortunate. But the Star Tribune has a great one. And I think nationally, actually, it's pretty pretty mm-hmm. uh, well thought of. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I won't screw that up. <laughs> yeah, is there any book stuff coming up? Uh, like anything Star Tribune, any of your writing, you know, where you have the Q&A with the authors? Or is that in the fall? 
Uh, probably more in the fall. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, are you talking about Talking Volumes? Yeah, Talking Volumes. Yeah, that series starts in, I think, early September. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the names of the writers who are coming, which I cannot divulge, yes. but there are some biggies. Okay. Some that you're going to be excited about. And I uh, am now getting a lot of books at work and in some cases at home. And I have these stacks of books around my house that are look like they're going to be really good. Yeah. I hope I can get to all of them because there are a bunch of good books coming out this summer and fall. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah. What was the last great book you read? Did you read uh, that Rebecca Mackay book? I have some questions for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. You would love that all book. Right, she, it, it's the woman who wrote The Great Believers a few years ago uh, about a woman who was friends with a bunch of men during the AIDS crisis. But this one is about... Uh, woman who is looking back on her years in prep school when a student was murdered and a janitor was arrested for the murdered and 20 i think it's about 20 years later she's looking back on it and realizing the janitor didn't do it and she sort of begins to try to figure out who did by and questioning her fellow i have some questions for you mm-hmm. it's it's fantastic really smart uh kind of a literary thriller i guess yeah it's, it's great Okay, and then how about um, Curtis Sittenfeld? Do you know her? Yeah, yeah, I went to her reading a couple of weeks ago at the Parkway. And have you read her new book? Modern, is it Modern Romance? Romantic Comedy, it's Romantic called. Romantic Comedy. I'm holding off on it because my book club right after that picked it as our book for next month, so I want to read it a little bit closer to when we meet, but I can't wait to. The the three or four pages that she read were hilarious. Really? Yes. Well, we've been trying to get her on, but we can't get a hold of anybody oh, with her. I'm surprised. The publishing. She's a big deal now, but we had her on for her very first book, Prep. Prep, yeah. In like 2004. Before she even lived here. Before she lived here, before anyone had heard of her. Huh. It was her first novel, and then we had her on for her second book, and like her third. And She's on Twitter. Do you tweet at her? She blocks it so no one can message her. Uh, yeah. Maybe you needed to rush the stage at that Parkway event. I know. Jeez, <laughs> I didn't even realize, realize that uh, she was reading at the Parkway. It was fun because she was interviewed by Julie Schumacher, who also lives in St. Paul and also writes uh, books, comic novels in her case, and she has one coming out this fall. Uh, she wrote it's called the Shakespeare question I think mm-hmm. um, anyway and both of them are really funny and clearly know each other and knew little things about each other to needle each other about and the you know romantic comedy is sort of inspired by the idea of uh, uh, not that handsome men who are writers at Saturday Night Live somehow bagging babes yeah and uh she has a name for that i forget what the name of it is but essentially it's it's at a fictitious saturday night live where that happens okay sounds good yeah i think i based on the part i heard i i'm bradley trainer and i'm don mcclain we have a podcast called blinded by the item a blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out it's a guessing game and you can play along the item might be like this a-list star carries a birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Can't wait to read it. And I have it sitting at home, but I haven't yeah. started it yet. Yeah. All right. Um, what, what else? Uh, film Fest. What's going on with the Film Fest? The Minneapolis Film Festival. 
Is it winding down? It is winding down. Uh, Thursday is technically the last day of it, but if people have been slow to catch up with it, it's been going on for almost two weeks at this point. Luckily, they do the best of the fest every year, so then there's kind of a bonus week of the festival where they bring back a lot of the titles that were uh, popular early on. Mm -hmm. And they they haven't announced what those titles are, but they're going to announce them tomorrow, and people will have a chance to see How many movies did you see? I think I saw ended up seeing i saw most of them before it started because i did kind of a preview story but i think i ended up seeing about 17 there's this one movie that i wrote a little feature about last week that people might be interested is made by a filmmaker who's from here she went to the blake school named laura gabbard about food and it's largely ruth reichel oh the yeah legendary food writer mm-hmm. former gourmet editor talking with restaurateurs during the pandemic about what are you going to do and what's happening and it's really fascinating to kind of see in real time what was sort of going on in the restaurant industry there are people who basically are sort of on zoom crying with her and saying what do i do do i have to make my fancy restaurant into a takeout place for a while or because it a lot of it was filmed in the early days yeah. of it. so it's interesting to kind of look back and okay i always think of kathy come. jenkins because they, they were buddies or she had been her are. assistant yeah 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 i think they probably still are mm-hmm. and ruth reichel of course is just delightful and gracious and wonderful in the movie uh which is called food and country i don't think i said that yeah you didn't and, it, and it's being shown Wednesday and Thursday. So you still have two chances to see that. At the St. Anthony Main Theater? Yep. Yeah. Yep. They did a good job remodeling that in there. They did. It yeah, it's It has nice. a much sort of cozier-ish feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, the theaters are the same size, I same think, as size, they always were. Same size, but comfy seats and... Your feet don't stick to the floor. The feet, yeah, that's right. The feet don't stick. <laughs> it was like when they did the... The uh, Grand and the Highland Theater. It's like, oh, look at these comfortable seats. Scrape off that gum. Uh, um, okay, I, there is one more show I want to ask you about because you wrote a review, and I don't know if it's still playing or not. Um, mm. You wrote it last week, Being Billy, about Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. Yeah, that's still playing at Yellow Tree Theater. That's an Osseo, which sounds farther than it is. It's that's basically just past all. the Brooklyns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it is a, I guess you could say, kind of bio-musical. It's entirely set at this one performance by Billie Holiday at a club in close to the last months of her life. So she's maybe a little bit in and out on drugs. Mm-hmm. She had, you know, a number of substance abuse problems and she's kind of sad, but she's the sense you get from the show is that she gets sustenance from performing for people mm-hmm. and from the conveying the messages of her songs to people. And Thomasina Petrus, who plays Billie Holiday, she's done this show a couple of times, most recently at The Jungle, probably five or six years ago. She's spectacular. Yeah, her her, her voice, her the way she can sing is incredible. She really, it doesn't feel like it's an imitation, but somehow mm-hmm. she really gets the, like, soul of Billie mm-hmm. Holiday, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's a wonderful... Why did they call Billie Holiday Lady Day? I you don't know. know. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe wondered. it comes from the holiday part of her maybe. name. Maybe. Okay, Lady Day. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. Anyway, yeah, I would I would highly recommend that I show. hope Tomasita is selling her cashew brittle at the theater. She is. Actually, at the end of that interview, I asked her about it, and she says if she does not sell that brittle, people will go out in her car and open up her trunk and demand <laughs> to search her car and make sure that she doesn't have some somewhere hiding in her. 
in there. Okay, so that's Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill, and that's through May 21st at the uh, Yellow Tree Theater, and you go to yellowtreetheater.com for tickets. Yeah, and that's, it's directed by Austin Van, who's a oh, fantastic Twin Cities performer and director. Yeah, we have so many good shows going on in yeah. the Twin Cities oh, right now. It's so a, much. We are lucky. You, yeah, we are lucky. You can, you no excuse not to do something fun with your mom for Mother's Day. That's no. true. You got a lot a lot of show dates and shows to go to. Yeah, there's right. that new Jesse James musical at the History Theater, too, which I haven't seen but want to. We're going to be talking to Jan Poling. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. Just yeah. emailed him today. And yeah. by the way, Lady Day came, it was a nickname that was given to her by her friend and musician partner, Lester Young. Okay. So that's what uh, yeah, the, the so old the Google ho- is telling me. Billy Holiday. Who Lady used to Day. live here? Lester, Lester Young. Young. Oh, yeah. 10 years or so, yeah. Wow. A little connection to the circle mm-hmm. all right what's happening on the road hey everyone Lori here for hammer and exploring solutions and whether you're looking for brand new carpet for your living room or ceramic tile for your bathroom or kitchen or natural stone flooring to create a beautiful outdoor living space there is affordable and um, life proof luxury vinyl flooring available at hammer Nicks. they also have beautiful and um i'm gorgeous hardwood flooring and of course they also have um you know such a wide variety of carpeting and rugs and all that good stuff but they also are offering the largest selection 12 percent off automatically already off their low low price and you've got the flooring um uh experts to help you if you need the design help or picking out what type of flooring because you can people do a mix of carpeting and um the vinyl flooring, which is just so gorgeous. Hammernicks, they're on the in St. Paul and Minneapolis on the west side town. Hammernicks.com for more info. We are being joined right now by Mary Seifert. Hello, Mary. Hi. Hi. How are you? We are good. Uh, you, we are having you on. Um, thank you for being with us. Are we calling you in Winona or where do you live again? Wilmer. Wilmer, that's right. I knew it was a W. Uh, Mary, and your book is called Maverick Movies and Murder. It's the Katie yes. and Maverick Cozy Mysteries, and this is book number one. And congratulations to you. Thank you so much. I'm having so much fun with my stories. You are. Um, uh it says on the back of your book that, and Chris pointed out, he's like, oh, she's a member of Sisters in Crime. Yes. What the heck is that? They have that? been so helpful. They have classes. They have okay. critiques. They have meetings. And I get to uh, partake in whatever they have in the city. So it's been fun there, too. Yeah. Okay. So give people the setup of Maverick Movies and Murder, because you plan on this being like a series, right? It is. In fact, I have the first five already finished and out. So oh, you it do. is a series. Okay. So I just we just have the first one. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, but the, the story starts as after the tragic death of her husband and Katie Wilkes, the character, is an ex-cryptanalyst. She applies for a job teaching high school math in West Central Minnesota. And in order to kind of swing the scales in her favor, she agrees to be the guide on the side for two extracurricular activities, science club and mock trial. Um, her new beginning is kind of confounded by a dog she didn't really know she'd come to love who finds a body on their first walk through her new community. Um, but she is able to use that problem-solving skill and her dog's nose to kind of thwart the bad guys. So that's the setup. That's the setup of the book. Okay, and you are a former math teacher, so is is um, are you the character? 
Are you Katie? I am not Katie. You're not Katie. Katie. I am not. But I can use a lot of the stories that I had when I was teaching with those students and um, kind of read around them. (laughs) Did you have to do a lot of research? Like, I don't know, attend autopsies or talk to coroners? Is there uh, or... Um, I did talk to coroners because I want to make sure that the the uh, the crimes that I have in my books are accurate. I did not attend an autopsy mm-hmm. um, because they are cozy mysteries. There is much less graphic violence yes. in my stories. Um, there are fewer um, graphic violent scenes. There are fewer words that are more colorful. Um, romance happens off the page, so it's a little bit lighter. Yes. Although I'm thinking that this is going to be more like a thrilling cozy rather than a funny cozy. Yes, yeah. I was wondering about the term of that cozy uh, thing, and that's what that means to des- describe a thriller as cozy, that it's not going to be so, like like you said. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um and when I when I first started writing, I, I wrote a regular mystery and I put it out there. And the publishing company, Columbine Publishing Group, asked me a couple of questions. And they said, um, could you change the titles? Because they were all called uh, Titanic. It was Titanic Tea, Titanic Trial, mm-hmm. Titanic uh, Cocktail. And they said that because usually when you see Titanic in a title, it automatically takes you to 1912. Yeah. Then, then they asked if I could change some of the character names because as an, a first-year, first-time writer, I had a Kelly, Colleen, Keelan, Katie, Carney, <laughs> Kennedy, and, you know, all those Ks. Yeah. And so I said, yes, of course I can change the names. And then they said, can you cut 15,000 words? Because cozy mysteries tend to be shorter, yeah, a little bit lighter, um, and they have an amateur sleuth, which fits the character that I was writing about. Yeah. Yeah, it sure did. I mean, you know, Katie is... is uh, I mean, even your first sentence in the book, you know, is like, wow, the bullets change everything for me. My husband of 17 days took our dreams with him when he died. They never caught the shooter. Damn. No. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> you got to get him on yep. the first sentence. Yeah. Do you ever find so. <laughs> yourself writing and get into territory and think, oh, nope, this isn't cozy. This is for another book. Uh, yes. Sometimes, but I think I really enjoy cozies myself. I like to write the kind of uh, that kind of mystery, so it hasn't happened too often. But I know that when I want to research the crimes that I might have in my books, sometimes I come across things that I think might not be appropriate for a cozy. Yeah, Chris, have you heard that term before? Cozy, oh, yeah. you have. Okay, I think it might have first been applied to. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mary, but like maybe Agatha Christie is sort of the progenitor of the. She would be more the traditional um, mystery, and they do think that she's kind of headed it. And I'm not sure if they call hers a cozy mystery, but it is definitely she has an amateur sleuth when she talks about Miss Marple. Yes. Um, she has all kinds of clues and red herrings, and they're very fast-paced. So they would be, yes, very definitely like a cozy. Yes. Yeah. And, Mary, what what decided, okay, so you taught math. And did you always have an idea uh, of like a character like Katie in your mind or what 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 made you decide to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to learn how to write and I'm going to write write my stories? I I always wrote. Um, In fact, when I was in college, I submitted a short story to Good Housekeeping. It was one of my many. It was the first of many rejections, Um, but it was good. It was fun to write. 
Uh, when my kids were little, I wrote uh, science fiction fantasy because that's what my boys like to read, but I didn't finish anything. And then I had a friend who said, what are you doing? And I said, I was writing a mystery. And she said, well, can I read it? And I said, it's not finished. And she said, you have to finish it. So I did. And it was very fun to write. It was fun to research. It was fun to have people read it and, and make comments. And, and that's kind of how I ended up writing the story. Oh, God, that's amazing. Are there ways in which the two halves of you, the, the mystery writer half and the math half, are uh, influence each other? Like, is, is, for instance, writing a mystery and having the character solve it like solving for two variables and an algebraic equation, or is there no crossover there? That is a perfect analogy. I just love that. That's the best one I've ever heard. Thank you. <laughs> I think solving the problems. She's solving the problems. Exactly. Do you know what's going to happen from the very beginning? I, I know what crime has been committed. I know who commits the crime. I kind of know who might be blamed for the crime. And I know that Katie and Maverick, her dog, will solve the crime. So that's kind of where I start and uh, kind of work from there. And Mary, are you like, do do people, can they contact you like for book club uh, things or how, how do people contact you as the author? Absolutely. I have a webpage. It's okay. MaryCypertAuthor.com. And it um, has a a contact information on the web page. Okay. Uh, so I am available there and I, and I've done a, a few libraries in the pioneer land library system finished up one this afternoon. Okay. Um, I'm going to the new Prague library tomorrow, which is my hometown library. So Fun. I just love talking to people and telling my stories. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, we're so glad that you could be with us today. Thank you for sending me your book whenever that was this earlier this winter. Thank you. And uh, we appreciate it. And again, it's Mary Seifert, and it's S-E-I-F-E-R-T, author.com for Mary's website. Yeah. And the book is Maverick Movies and Murder, the Katie and Maverick Cozy Mysteries. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, and thanks for listening to our show. I love it. Thank I, you. Yeah, that's very sweet. Thank you so much. So, all right, listen, um, when and we've got a couple copies to give away. Thank you. We do. We got two copies. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. We can't can't go without saying that. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Listen. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Lori here for uh, Chanhassen Dinner Theaters. We're right now through June tenth. The Tony Award winning uh, Broadway musical The Prom is on stage, and it's a fantastic show. Very funny great big song and dance numbers and it's a modern story that celebrates love it'll lift you up everyone feels happy you can enjoy an amazing meal because the food is really quite good at the chan and at intermission you could have a slice of rainbow cake or a grasshopper parking is right there it's just so easy and with mother's day coming up i mean this would be a very good show and the prom ends june 10th so um, you want to get your tickets, go to ChanhassenDT.com. Also know that they've got incredible concert uh, tribute shows all year long. And then Stevie Ray's Comedy Cabaret every weekend. ChanhassenDT.com, Chanhassen Dinner Theaters, always entertaining you. All right, Chris, I hope you're ready to Hollywood speak. And you know I am. You cover Hollywood. You know about a Hollywood speaking. When people say one thing... But really mean another. So, and when I just said, you know, I am. Yeah. Was I Hollywood speaking? <laughs> no, you were. 
You're ready. Correct. Correct. You're very ready. So today, the court hearing for Prince Harry's lawsuit against the Sun began. And something that we found out as a result of this happening Hmm. is that apparently Prince William accepted a huge settlement from Rupert Murdoch to settle a phone hacking claim in 2020. And that was never made public until today. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I secretly paid Prince William, quote-unquote, a very large sum of money to quietly settle a phone hacking claim, which Prince Harry is now suing the son over. And I want to know what you think a very large sum of money is. I think it is eight digits. I do, too. I think we're talking wow. $12 million. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and... Because there's a very in there. Oh, yes. And Rupert Murdoch, of course, News of the World went out of business mm-hmm. when all the phone hacking settlements that they had. To pay. Rupert Murdoch really is a mercenary of media. Is, How would you like to see his budget for payouts? Oh, my I mean, gosh. It's a line item. Un- unbelievable. But what this also means is that the royal family made secret deals with tabloid media to so that Charles, Camilla, and William, they could count on the media to not do the embarrassing stories, that they would take the bait for another story. Yeah, like Hollywood used to work with those confidential magazines in the yes, 1950s. and photo play. So, like, they probably leaked... Some potentially stories about Harry even. and Megan to deflect from stories that were being like William having the affair of, with Rose of Chumley. Right. And that was in a story in Tatler magazine. And then when it went online, they removed it was a story about Kate Middleton and called Catherine the Great. But in the Tatler story, they also had a sidebar about powerful royal mistresses of kings and queens, which is a long-standing, you know, British monarchy tradition. Mm-hmm. And in the online edition, they took out the rumor that William um, might have been gardening in another garden with Rose of Chumley. <laughs> you know, as you know, I'm not a big royal watcher, yeah. but do we know... At what point and over what Harry and William fell out? And could it be related to this? It's 100% related to William giving through his people or his dad giving through his staff stories about Harry or Meghan to deflect from a story about themselves. These people. Is it the most dysfunctional family ever? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is what it is about. Yeah. If you read Harry's book, he's like, Dad, William, we got to change this royal road. We have a rotten system in place. It's a bummer. They're hacking us. They write terrible things about us. But you've got a quid pro quo situation going on. Probably going all the way back to Camilla. Of course. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Now, this Olivia Wilde, quote unquote, (laughs) wants Emily Ratajkowski to keep her name out of her mouth. 
and she should re-examine her dating life after Emily <laughs> Ratajkowski said that she feels Jesus. bad. She told Vogue Spain Ugh. she feels bad for Olivia Wilde because she publicly made out with Olivia's ex, Harry Styles, and she felt bad for her. And Olivia, through an unnamed source, fired back, Emily shouldn't feel bad for Olivia. She should re-examine her dating life and the men she chooses to go out with. What? I mean, you were going out with him for more Thank than you. a year, Olivia. Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think Olivia wants Emily to feel bad for her and tell... I mean, they broke up. And tell Vogue Spain about that. Yeah. I mean, Emily is so thirsty. Yeah. Harry's got a type, though, because Emily Ratajkowski and Olivia Wilde... To me, at least, seem like they're, and admittedly, I'm not an expert, but yeah. seem like they're in some kind of the His same category. His type is uh, is beautiful and hot. He dated Kendall Jenner. <laughs> he dated Tyler Taylor Swift. And, oh. You know, he's had older women. He dated a, right. you know, he dated a like a when he was like 21. He dated like a 29 year old. <gasps> he's always liked older women. All right, yeah. all right. Uh, do you believe there's rumors that ABC is in talks with uh, Katie Couric? Um, for, you know, having maybe leading up GMA three hour, oh. doing side projects oh. that Amy Robach used to do over at GMA without having to be the full-time anchor of. I kind of lost track of Katie Cork. What's she been doing? Like raising money for colon cancer, I know. She, no. Did she have like a podcast or something? No, she might have that. Remember, she took the deal at Yahoo News after oh, she left CBS, right. and then Yahoo News went nowhere. And I don't know. I guess I I I would think if I was sitting around and going, who would be a bubbly, perky kind of a fun journalist that we could give light and heavy assignments? Katie Kirk, if yeah. she wants to work, good choice. And she could even at some point slide into that. Diane Sawyer, elder statesman, interviewer type role, too. Exactly. So I like this rumor if it's true. And I also believe 100% that T.J. Holmes and Amy Robach, as part of their walkaway deal from ABC, they no non-compete for at least a year. For a year. With all the silence? Yeah. Just, yeah sure haven't said anything. Yeah. No, but that not to get another job, not to take some, you know, that they wouldn't be able to work for a year. I'm sure they were compensated from their idle for their idle times handsomely. True. True. Yeah, I'm like the more I think about this, Kitty Kirk, I'm liking it almost as much as I like Jane Polly hosting CBS Sunday Morning. She's so fantastic. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, we all love that show. I think everyone universally that's just like it's peaceful of all ages can just agree that that is one heck of a good TV show. Yeah, and it's the perfect time and. Get a cup of coffee. Yeah. And right? See what Lee Cowan's going to make me cry about this week. That's right. Okay, Sharon Osborne, we got to do this real uh, quick. Um, she, she's she been always out loud about her various cosmetic procedures, but she told an English, the Sunday Times, that her fifth facelift, wow. she pushed it too far. And I'm like, you think you've had five facelifts? She's 70. Wow. That's like, that's so many. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe not if you, 
I don't know. That seems excessive. Have we seen her recently? Because this almost sounds to me like I'm going to get out in front of this story. Like people are going to be talking about my face a lot soon. No, we saw her last fall on something. Because, you know, like she's, I don't know if she and Ozzy are back in the UK full time, but she's on like some morning or some British show. Oh, okay. And yeah, she sort of had, you're like, wow, she, what has she done that's not good? Huh. Because I feel like you hear more stories like the Jane Fonda, I wish I hadn't, than you do like the Sharon Osbourne, I'm going to, you know, get a two for one deal. And I never believe Jane Fonda when she says, I wish I hadn't, because she's sitting there looking all gorgeous at the age of 80, whatever, 79. And I mean, 86, I think. Yeah, she is now. But I mean, I, when she said that, I really didn't believe her. You think she's still, uh, no, I don't think she's having any more facelifts, but I'm like, okay, well, how can you regret a facelift if you look like you look, Jane Fonda? I, I just saw the new book club movie and she looks great in it. Oh, is that good? We were taking listeners on Thursday night. Yeah, we're doing yeah. a little sneak peek. Was it? Yeah, cute? yeah. it's sweet. And you know, you want to go to amazing. Italy? It makes you want to go, go to, to Italy. Italy. Those women are. I love all four of those women. Don Johnson, mm. who I never have. I mean, he's good at kind of the cynical cop or whatever thing. I've never really thought of him as kind of a sweetie pie. He has this very sweet romantic scene that you're gonna love. Oh, good. Um, not to give too much away. Okay. But, yeah. And happy birthday, Al Pacino. He's 83 today. Yeah, we were just talking about our favorite. What were you going to say there, Chris? Well, we were talking earlier about what is our favorite performance, and Lori threw out Dog Day Afternoon, which I think is a very good choice. Mm-hmm. And I was throwing out Carlito's Way. But there are a lot of good ones to choose from. Yeah. Scent of a Woman, the one he won the Oscar for. Yeah, that would be my least favorite, I think. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that one. Yeah. Huh, oh boy! Or what is it he <laughs> yes, said that that's movie? exactly <laughs> yes. You were right, yes! Yeah. Something you like know that. it was a sexy, <laughs> sexy movie that Al Pacino with Ellen Barkin, Sea of Love. I don't really remember what the movie was necessarily about. It was a thriller, but they had some... It was like maybe right up there like Body Heat with Kathleen... Turner and William Hurt. And they became it's sexy. An item. No, just sexy, sexy. No, but they were sexy. an item for a while. Yeah, oh, they were. Okay. Wait, I'm mixing that up with the Dennis Quaid one. Yes. What's sea that of one love. called? What's the Dennis Quaid one? With Al Pacino or Alan, Alan Barkin? Barkin? In New Orleans. Oh, the Big Easy. Yeah. That's what that's called. Oh, yeah. Got it. Yeah, I'm mixing those two up in my head. But I don't know that it was that great of a movie, but I liked the heat and the chemistry. And he didn't make a lot of movies you would call sexy, so that's sort of an outlier for Mm -hmm. him. Just as he didn't make a lot of movies you would call funny. No. So great in The Godfather. Oh, my gosh. Michael Corleone. Yes. Did you ever watch The Offer on Paramount Plus? No, I still don't have Paramount Plus. Oh, shoot. What are you waiting for, Chris? I mean, I guess I'm waiting for it to change names again and be in a package (laughs) I already have. All right. (laughs) We'll be back.